welcome to Maiden Speech. My name is Monica Ferguson, portrait photographer and self-love advocate from New Zealand. Each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to uplift and empower you. Thanks for hanging out. Now let's get into it. Brene Brown said, Vulnerability is hard and it's scary and it feels dangerous. But it's not as hard or scary or dangerous as getting to the end of our lives and having to ask ourselves, what if I would have shown up? When I heard this and was thinking about my guest today, I immediately teared up. No surprises there with me, but I find myself getting very emotional whenever I come into contact with this guest and it's because of how deep she is. There is nothing superficial. She is raw, real, she has literally lived as if she might die tomorrow, and she's using her powerful experiences and story to create a powerful legacy for her family by empowering and inspiring others. One of the things I admire so much about you, Emma, is your ability to show up, even if your hands and your voice are shaking, and to connect with your purpose, which is so much bigger than you and your comfort zone. So welcome along, Emma, and thank you so much for being here. I have my tissues ready to go. Thanks, Monica. Yeah, a little nerve-wracking, my very first podcast. So thank you, and thanks for believing in me and empowering me to tell my story. And that was originally through your photo session with me. So big thank you to you. Oh, right back at you. It was love at first sight. So I'll just drop you right in the deep end then. And can I ask you to just share a little bit about what your story is? Okay, so my story started in 1974 in December. I was born like every other baby. Mum and Dad got to take me home, thought that they had their first child and were over the moon. Unfortunately, Christmas Eve, I became really unwell and it turned out I was in heart failure. And that was the beginning of a very long journey. I was really lucky in the beginning of 75, the Barrett boys decided to operate on me and I have a condition called trichotillomyositis, which is very, very rare and very hard to fix. We later found out they had a 1% chance of survival. I was the only one in that era with my heart condition to walk away from the operating table. So I guess it was a bit of a miracle. And then in 85, I had another heart surgery. So I was really sick as a child. I grew up always sick, missing out on a lot of school, which impacted me later on. But I was really lucky. I had a really supportive family that were always there for me. And in 85, I had my second surgery. So Barrett Boys came out of retirement and he operated on me then. It was a bit touch and go. Everything ruptured when I was in ICU, so they had to go back. So once again, really lucky. But I guess that left a mark on me. I grew up always really self-conscious. I had the scar I couldn't keep up with my peers I couldn't do PE and as I got older my scar I became quite self-conscious I was very well developed so the boys noticed me but noticed the scar so swimming sports was really quite hard anything on my togs and just not being able to keep up and always tired but I guess that kind of gave me an inner strength you know that I just pushed through no matter how tired I just showed up I just did what I needed to do and then um, in the early 90s, I went and traveled overseas and I went to Africa and that was amazing, but I got really sick there and had to come back. And that's when my heart started to play up. It turned out I had glandular fever, which wasn't a good combination. But I always grew up thinking I was going to die, but in my 20s, I really thought that I was going to die. So I was going to 
go out hard and I traveled a lot and probably just partied a little bit too hard and then I met my husband-to-be when I was living in Bermuda and we came back to New Zealand. I had always wanted a family but got told because of my heart that there was no way I could survive carrying any children but I desperately wanted babies so I persevered and my first child was born in 2005. I had a little boy called Warner. Pregnancy wasn't great. I was sick the whole way through, morning sickness and heart complications. And yeah, loved him to bits. But I was lucky enough then two years later to have another son called Rossi. And unfortunately, during my pregnancy with Rossi, we discovered he had a heart condition, less serious than mine, but would need surgery. So he had surgery when he was 10 months old. And to me, that just brought back a flood of emotions. I think I finally got what mum and dad went through. I've never, ever forgotten placing him on the operating table and being told to give him a kiss and having to walk away, not knowing if they'd start his heart again or if he'd be all right. So I think for me, that brought back a lot of trauma and a lot of my childhood memories. But also mum was there and dad, and there was a whole new understanding of what they'd been through. So it was a pretty difficult time, and we were really lucky he pulled through that really well. And then two years later, I went on to have my daughter, Ailey. So I've been really, truly blessed. I'm not supposed to be here, wasn't supposed to have any children, and I have three amazing children. So when Ailey was first born, I was really sick. In fact, it goes back to when she was pregnant. I was told I should terminate the pregnancy because I needed heart surgery. So once again, I dug in my heels or toes and I kept the pregnancy and kept Ailey. And when she was 10 months old, I had another heart surgery. And once again, that was really tricky facing the fact that I may not make it off the operating table, but I had these three amazing children that I couldn't face losing. So that was pretty tricky. So I just had to put my big girl pants up and go. And I really didn't let anybody know how scared I was. The only thing that was probably a precursor is I wrote them all a letter and bought them all Christmas presents just in case. So, yeah, that's that's my journey. But now I'm pretty healthy. You would never know. I had really high blood pressure, should be on heart medication. I'm on none. And I put that down to I found meditation and mindfulness, and I do that daily and that has been my saving grace for everything, really. It's how I now live my life. So that's a very short sort of snippet of my heart story and why I want to tell my story is I want to empower others and give others hope where there possibly isn't any hope and know that you can live a new normal. It might not be everybody else's normal, but it's my normal. Yeah, amazing. Okay, so I've been through about three tissues. I honestly have no words when it comes to you. Like, you know, the things that you hear people complain about and be ungrateful for and the things that you've managed to overcome is just extraordinary. Like, honestly, I'm going to start crying again. So let's change the subject really quick. So also some of those things that you skimmed over, like you had a 1% chance of surviving. That, yeah. Um, like you actually are a miracle, aren't you? And it's so obvious that you're clearly meant to be here because look at all the time and time again. But I also love in that story how like you just dug your heels in. And it's obvious that, and I mean, I know from meeting you as well that you have such a determination and I love that about you. Like you're the sort of person you want on your team, you know, that's just going to be like, nah, this is what we're doing. Yeah, there is, there is no 
sort of like compromise. Like if you want it, you'd go after it. And I love that about you so much. So um, can you talk about some of the things when, when you were getting your makeup done and I remember the makeup artist and I were in hysterics because you were just talking about some of the crazy experiences that you've had because like you say, because you thought you were going to die. And so you've lived in a way that most people never do. So, I mean, I know for those people who are overseas, we have a, a TV show here called Shortland Street. So I know you were on that. But the Catherine Zeta-Jones story was the best one, I reckon. And you're so casual about it. Can you tell us about that? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and technically, I'm not supposed to say too much. But, yeah, I did some work with them. And I was just very lucky. I turned up in London as a nanny and wanting to travel. And I managed to bluff my way into working for or around some very famous people. And I think it's just that Kiwi attitude. I just thought I could, and um, I had an Irish passport, so I was very lucky. And I think when you think that you're gonna die, you live your life differently. I kind of stack it up that I'm not gonna regret what, I, what I've done. I've done some things that, yeah, I sort of shouldn't have done, but they've taught me lessons. And I kind of think when I get to the end of my life, whenever that is, I want to have lived a really full life, so I kind of live it in a way that, um, without harming anybody, obviously, I want to make the most of it, and I want to create some really good memories. So that was part of my travelling. I just crammed a lot in, and I, yeah, just have some amazing stories, I think, because I just put myself out there and made the most of every opportunity. So, yeah, I did work with some celebrities. I did get interviewed by some, and I did travel the world, and I did some really amazing things, which I'm really, really grateful. But touching on that, it's really interesting. It's not until I talk to you or think about I don't even think I had a story to tell because it's just me. This is the way I live my life. I don't think it's anything exceptional or possibly even inspiring. Sometimes I even wonder why anybody would want to listen to me so it's a really interesting thing for me it's almost just who I am and it's just what I do and I just get up and make the most of it yeah yeah which I mean it's such a testament to your character honestly the fact that you can't see this so I'm going to make sure that everyone drops you so much love because there is going to be an explosion like such a reaction to your story which I'm so excited that we get to tell it so going through all these things what do you think your like purposes why do you think that you've managed to you know overcome all these things what is the reason that you think that you are here well I had a little interesting conversation with my mother my mother unfortunately has terminal cancer and the blessing of that if you can call it a blessing is we've had a chance to talk and talk really openly and I wrote a little um, blog about how I was praise for standing up and always being strong and no matter what you know you just got on with it and my mother actually said that she felt really guilty about that and I said don't be guilty that's the way you were raised was the way I was raised and without that I wouldn't have the inner strength now it's just that now I'm recognizing it's not the way that I want to bring up my children or future generations so I think my purpose now is to tell my story to tell what I've been through but to open up and admit, like the other day I said that I had anxiety, that was a huge thing because I was always taught that you showed that you were doing life perfectly. No mm -hmm. one does life perfectly. So I no. think <laughs> if I can tell my story 
and what I've been through and the odds that I've come through, I think that's it. And I'm learning to teach mindfulness, a lot of resilience. I've done a lot of work with Rick Hansen on resilience and state traits. And I think that's why I'm so good at what I'm doing. I'm about to do a trauma um, course for children and children's mindfulness. So I really think my purpose is to tell a story to give hope to others but also to offer some support because it is just so lacking there's not very many people that understand and I guess I've got the story I have gone through the journey myself as a child and an adult but I've also watched my child go through that same journey and unfortunately my niece has got a heart condition about to start that so, and also mum dying has taught me a huge amount about myself and others. And so I think maybe that's my purpose. I am here to help others and to share my story and hopes that I give other people hope wow. and inspire them that, you know, even if you are sick or you have chronic pain, you still have a purpose. You still have a life and you just make a new life. It might, it becomes your new normal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the big distinction with you is that it never held you back. You know, like you kind of, you used it as fuel almost to go further. And I know like the, one of the first times that I met you, you were actually really triggering for me in a good way because that these conversations about life and death, I think are so important to have because it, it brings us back to what are we actually doing? Like it kind of wakes us up from our little insomnia where so many of us just kind of wander through life and we're just going through the motions and we're not really connected to anything bigger or yeah, really mindful about how we're living and who we're choosing to be. And like, I know that, you know, with my business, I started that as a legacy for my little brother who had, you know, freak seizure at nine years old and, and died. And that lesson for me has totally changed the whole way that I choose to live my life. So even like, as we were saying, coming onto this podcast, we were sitting here nervous as, but you do it so anyway. Weird. Yeah. I mean, no, we're cool and calm and collected all the time, of course. <laughs> but like, it's like, it doesn't matter that you're uncomfortable. It doesn't matter that things are difficult it's almost inspiring it's like it's almost exciting now because you know that something great's going to happen something big is happening if you're scared if you're nervous it means you're moving out of your comfort we're, zone yeah we're growing yeah, exactly into a growth zone and i feel like that's like your whole being is about inspiring people to live you know and because look at all the things that you've managed to overcome um, and continue to deal with and even like you say right sharing things that are vulnerable like talking about anxiety talking about our own personal struggles is really hard it honestly is like sickening right to put it out <laughs> oh look i i put out yesterday and i've been overwhelmed with a positive support but that little mental voice that i actually had to say no not listening to you what if people don't like you what if you lose clients what if you lose friends well, actually, if I do, then they're not the right ones. And it's really interesting. I guess I've always had this heart condition, and I've got to be really careful, but I look at other people that have similar, and that's their excuse not to do anything. They've given up. And I'm just, maybe I'm yeah. lucky. It's just not in my nature. In fact, it's the opposite. I'm going to prove you that I can do this. I remember doing the Wellington 21K marathon just to tell my cardiologist that I could do it. And I <laughs> You know, so you tell yeah. me I can't do something and I'm more than likely to go and do it. 
you've just, I've, I'm lucky. I've got that inner strength. And I spoke to Rick Hansen about it because I did a course with him. And why I've got it is I've got that inner resilience. But what I've learned is I've learned compassion for myself. And that's the biggest thing. If you can learn to be self-compassionate, have self-love and look after yourself, you're more likely to have the resilience and to be able to get through things. And that has been the biggest learning curve. And I think, too, with mum being sick, she has really told me that she worked really hard until she was 70 because she wanted to provide for us. But she wished she'd actually looked after herself more, and that's what she wants for me. So I always thought it was selfish to put myself first and to care about myself and look after myself, but actually it's not. I have these three beautiful children that rely on me, and if I'm not going to look after myself, I can't look after them. So I think when it comes yeah. to mental health, and I know I'm not a doctor and there's so many other things, but for me to put me first, do my mindfulness meditation every day, um, eat well, drink well, get plenty of sleep, all those little things, and to nurture and love myself and be comfortable in my own skin and who I am, which doing the photo shoot with you, just really enhanced all of that and brought that to a fore is really one of the most important messages, I think, especially as women. I don't want to sound sexist, but as women, we tend to put everybody else first and ourselves last if we even remember about ourselves. And yep. then we just have this burnout because we've given everything and then we have got nothing left to fill ourselves up with. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I was talking to someone yesterday about this exact thing and how so much of our worth and our value seems to come from appearance-based things. And I guess it's because we're not actually filling ourselves up with the big stuff, the mindfulness, the, the self-nurturing practices. It's kind of like put makeup on to feel good about yourself. And it's like at the end of the day, when you're poised over your keyboard wanting to write something meaningful but scared, that – like your mirror is not going to give you that confidence in yourself and the belief in yourself to do these things, is it? Like, no. it's just an appearance. That's not actually where your true, um, yeah, self-compassion and self-love and self-worth comes from. But it's like that seems to be where we're at. From my my experience anyway, it seems like we're very fixated on superficial stuff, what we look like, how it looks to everyone else, as opposed to actually what is going on deeper and I, that's where the mindfulness stuff comes in. And I, I guess also mm. with mindfulness, like surely when you start down that road, you're going to confront some things that are very uncomfortable, right? <laughs> oh, it's the most uncomfortable. I have so many clients and friends who say to me, I can't do mindfulness. I think I'm going crazy. And that's yeah. so normal because in the beginning, you are so aware of every single thought and you suddenly think you have more to fidgety. I can't sit here. So even if you just concentrate and do some deep breaths, eventually that goes. Do you know the biggest thing that changed for me doing my mindfulness? I got my blood pressure down from 140 over 70 at, mm. down to a and 24 all that negative self-talk that I wasn't good enough I was too fat I wasn't pretty no one would love me no one would like me all those negative things that you would never say to your best friend but you're happy yeah. to say to yourself yeah. all of that stopped and I just seemed my day flows um don't get me wrong I still have a bit of anxiety and various things but I've learned to actually just be at peace with myself and to be comfortable on my own. And I think that's the biggest lesson. You have to be comfortable in your own self. And 
be in love with your own self, not in a narcissistic way, but just be comfortable with who you are because otherwise you're going to spend your whole time looking on Facebook, Instagram, feeling like you just do not stack up. And how can you expect to have this amazing partner or all of those amazing things if you don't even feel that about yourself? So I think it really a lot of work, and I've done a lot over the last year, of just working on that solid foundation for me. I still have moments, but now when I have those moments, they're less of a moment. Or I can tell myself, actually, that's not a helpful thought. Just delete that thought. Now put a positive one in. And I think it's really confronting because there's always someone who's going to be prettier, more intelligent, wealthier than us. So I think we have to stop comparing ourselves to anybody else and set our own truth, our own values, and live by those and really just trust in ourselves. Yeah, totally. So how do you think we can actually help to combat that a little bit, like this comparison thing? Because what I feel like is so important at the moment is connection. Because, you know, like back in the day, you used to ring people on the telephone and actually have conversations. And now it's at the point where we have to text each other to see if we can ring. And if, if at all, everything's done via text, there's no... There's no translation of empathy or anything. It's just, it feels very superficial. So I'm like, how can we actually help to combat some of that awful comparison stuff, especially because we're all comparing ourselves to things that aren't even real? How do we, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing. And they're saying that's what's causing a lot of our issues now is we're connected online. Um, yeah. but the people closest to us, we're no longer connected. And I guess I'm really lucky as a massage therapist. I have a client and I'm working on them, so I'm touching them and I'm healing them. But we're also talking and connecting. And I had a client last night who said, I really like coming to visit you because you'll talk back to me and I feel connected. And I think we really just have to go back to basics. I have made a real effort now to catch up with girlfriends and to catch up with friends and put the phone away and spend more family time. I think we just get busy. We need to look, it's really, we're both doing a podcast because we're, we're trying to talk and that's connecting, but we also need to just be aware of our time on internet and who we follow really unfollow people. If they make you feel negative or all of that, remember that some of those people are getting paid to look amazing. That's, you know, that's, that's their journey. That's their story. We, um, just have to find a way, I think, to go back to basics, pick up the phone, speak to people, arrange to have, you know, coffee dates. I did a pancake day one day because I read it in a book and it sounded amazing. I got all my girlfriends over one morning on a Sunday morning, put some pajamas and we made pancakes. And it was so much <laughs> fun. It was just yeah. a simple thing. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Um, yeah. But it connecting and I'm a single mum with three kids and I've got lots of single mums with three kids and we try we've got our own backs we will catch up with each other we will go for walks we will go to the pub and we'll do things with and without the kids but we make sure we have a little community because we don't belong to a church my parents aren't in Wellington a lot of us are now doing things on our own so I think you have to make that tribe and connect with your own tribe and fill that up with really positive people. And I think that that's a really good start because we have lost that greater connectiveness. Totally. And I feel like we're in an ego state quite a lot where, you know, it makes you feel good to have a thousand friends on Facebook, but actually how many 
of them are true friends. Like, you know, if, if you got arrested, how many of them would come to bail you out at 3 a.m.? That's not <laughs> I measure, you know, it's like, you're a true friend if you would come and bail me out of jail. I'll, I'll come and bail you out and I'll provide the best <laughs> You'll probably be there with me, but that's another conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I actually feel, and I know for myself, like this mindfulness thing is so on my mind at the moment because I noticed that, you know, in the mornings when I take even 10 minutes to just, put myself first and be present it totally slows down the rest of the day like I'm more alert I'm more aware I feel on top of everything I actually exactly like you said my stress levels I can feel them reducing almost as if I could see it and it's like even having all of these people all of these acquaintances I actually find it quite stressful sometimes because you I well they don't put this responsibility on I me. Mean, I do I put this pressure on myself to get around everyone and stay sociable and all this sort of thing. And it's like, actually I have all these other things that I'm working on that are really important to me. Realistically, my three best friends are the ones that I need to actually call on the phone and check in with and have pancake mornings with and all that sort of thing. But it's like, I'm, I'm just kind of interested in how this works. And I feel like social media has changed our relationship so much and the expectations that we have as well. Um, Cause it's all about, yeah. <laughs> I guess for me, I'll put another spin on it. It's dating. I'm in my forties and dating and I call it option hunting because you can swipe left and right. There's always something that seems better than what's in front of you. And everybody's scared of missing out and they're searching for these quick fixes all the time and not doing any work on why the last one broke or having any time on their own. And I guess to me, the whole dating thing is just bizarre that you can just flip through, meet someone, date four or five people at a time, and then you might settle down with someone and then they might think that there's a better option. Um, And to me, the whole dating circle just typifies where we're at. We're so busy that we just think that we can constantly swipe for our next bit of entertainment or if we're bored, or sit and binge watch Netflix. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing at times, but we're so busy connecting with this fantasy world or what could possibly be that we're forgetting to connect with what is real and what is in front of us and with those true friendships and even just connecting with one person and giving it a shot, making sure that one person is obviously a good choice. But you can see what I'm getting at. Everybody just, we're so overstimulated that I've actually started staying home on a Friday night quite often on my own. I used to, when I was first separated, go out on a Friday night and always have to be busy. Couldn't possibly be on my own because I'd have to think. But with everything going on in my world at the moment, I'm actually really comfortable just sitting at home, sometimes on my own, just having some time out, having a really good night's sleep. And then Saturdays have become my special day where I will be really selfish with that day. I'll choose what friends I want to hang out with. But they'll be the special friends that I know will lift me up. Not always. Sometimes I'll lift them up too. But they're they're a positive influence. So I choose very carefully who I engage with now, if that makes sense. So I think that's the key to it. You don't have to be everything to everybody. You, I think as you get older, we become more selective. And I actually think that's a good thing. And I've actually got to that point where generally, without being narcissistic, I don't really care what anybody else thinks about me anymore. They're not going to be worried about what I've said five minutes later or anything like that. 
So I've got this true little group of friends that I know no matter what, they've all got my back. And I think that that's what we need to have now with our world being so busy. We need to just close our little walls down a little bit, have these little safe havens, make home a really good safe haven, but then make our friendships a really safe haven that you're filling yourself up with those positive ones. You know, the ones that lift you up and make you feel good no matter what's going on in your world. And I think that that's the answer. Well, that's the answer for me. Totally. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And I think everyone says, because I'm about to turn 30, and everyone's saying to me, I know everyone says that as well. I'm like, I do not feel like a baby, but, <laughs> but everyone says that when you're 30 things change and you stop caring about what people think. Right. And then everyone else says, yep. And then it, it's even more intense when you hit 40. And I actually think this is great because I definitely have noticed within myself, my inability to say no now that, and to not feel bad about it. Whereas I used to just be such a yes person because I wanted to please everyone and everyone to like me and stuff. And like, exactly like you said, you can't be everything to everyone. And actually if I can be an awesome wife and a great friend to my little circle that I like my family, then awesome. What's wrong with that? You know, who actually has a million hours a day to constantly be investing in everyone else and giving away all your time and your energy and not looking after yourself properly. But then I also feel like that does come with this mindfulness stuff. It all connects back into that, understanding your value and your worth. And if you have a if you're sort of clear on your purpose and what you're doing, then it it does give you the ability to let go of things that aren't serving that, I feel like. And I but, think that's boundaries and we as women particularly feel really guilty when we say no to something. And so we overstretch ourselves and we become tired and we end up having no energy. And for me, this year has actually been about setting those boundaries, very clear about who I want to interact with, but I'm also very clear about how people will treat me. And if someone's not treating me right, I will call them on it in a respectful way and just say, actually, I don't like the way that you're treating me or something. And it's quite interesting when you change the way you interact with people. And there's a lot using my mindfulness as well, how you choose to step back from a situation and then you can choose when you react or not react or how you react. It's amazing when you do that, actually how relationships change and generally quite positively. And so once you start looking after yourself and caring about yourself and setting your boundaries, it's amazing how everything just flows better. And, yeah. you know, it's okay to say no. It's okay to look after yourself, you know. And by doing that, you're actually enabling yourself to look after the other people in your life that you care about. Because we can't possibly be everything to everybody at every single moment. Yeah, totally. Especially, I guess, when we're giving away everything to everyone else. And then, like you say, nothing to ourselves. So it's like, well, that's never going to end well, is it? We'll just, we'll burn out completely. And then those are the the women that I see, you know, that come in for photographs or whatever, because they have to, and they're freaking out and they have done nothing to learn how to love themselves, essentially. As much as I don't like that phrase, I like what it means, you know? (laughs) I look, I see it all the time. I have got so many clients that come to me once a week for a massage because they're so stressed out and that's their one bit of self-care. 
and they're so stuck on the treadmill they're so scared to get off and their whole being is enveloped about how busy they are because the busier they are the more successful and the more important they are and they're constantly juggling every area of their life and trying to be perfect and the perfectness just doesn't help anybody I was the perfect wife according to lots of my friends I ran a house the baking was done the kids were looked after everything was always done it didn't serve me well and I have stopped that perfectionism you get as good as you get now with me there this is just <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah um, I think we are just so hard on ourselves we are just expect you know I was talking about it with my mother the other day you know, in some ways it was simpler before, but at the moment we're now expected to do everything perfectly. But there's not enough hours in the day to do everything perfectly. Right. There just simply isn't. So I think I've learned to say no to certain things, set boundaries, and really just pick what is true to me and listen to my gut instinct. Am I going to do this? Does it feel right? You know, is this within my values? And I think that if you start asking yourself those really simple questions, then your life will just flow, you know, and you will have bumps, but you deal with those bumps a lot better. Totally. Yes. Love it. Okay, cool. So how can people find you and support you on your journey? So I am, I guess probably the best way is I have a website and it is um, just www.makate.co.nz um, or I'm on Facebook under um, Emma Kate Massage Therapist and Wellbeing. And there's a little blog happening too on my website. So come and say hi. Awesome. And I'm sure you'll find some of Monica's wonderful work on there as well. You'll find the photo shoot that she did for me. So come and have a look at that. Perfect. Awesome. I'll make sure that we've shared all your stuff below as well because I know that you're really kicking it up a notch in terms of putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and sharing your your story and what's happening with your mum and your son and all that. So it's definitely worthwhile to follow you. Yeah, and I'm doing it because I really want to share the message and I want the help that needs to be for those um, young children, adults and families that are just finding it really hard to cope. And I hope that hearing that I've been through it and my son is going through it, I hope it just gives them a little bit of hope. It will, at 100%. Well, and it will give hope to everyone, even people that can't really relate to your particular experience. So awesome. Okay, so I've got one final question for you, which yep. is, if you could go back and tell 15-year-old Emma one thing, what would it be? I think just to believe in yourself and that you've got enough and you have got it, you know. Just believe in yourself, be kind in those moments where you're really just – feeling like you're the odd one out who is missing out because you're not pretty enough you're not you know you're not you can't run around like everybody else or you're too sick you know you've got this and you will come into your own and this is just creating the resilience you need for later on I think really just be kind to yourself yeah yeah amazing awesome cool well thank you so much for being here and sharing your story again i just love being around you and yeah i'm really excited to see what what happens next for you and and to be a part of it so yeah thank you well thanks for having me along and it was a pleasure once again to chat with you and maybe this is the beginning of a few more hopefully i reckon it is i have a feeling <laughs> <laughs> well, okay thank thanks you. so much i'll talk to you bye soon bye. Bye. Okay, bye.